0: Hey everybody, my name is Michael. I am uh, calling this segment Injustice in America, uh, Sexual Assault, My Story, because I was sexually assaulted in July 23rd of this year. I first want to preface this by letting you know that I am an extremely snarky person, and that is how I deal with um, it's my defense mechanism. So anything that is negative, I tend to make it sarcastic to help me cope with it. It is my coping mechanism. So a little bit about me and then the event. We've broken up into a few different parts. This is my first podcast, so I do apologize if there's anything I'm not doing correctly. And I want you to know up front that uh, just because I use sarcasm and humor... It is not me making light of any situation in any way, shape, or form. This is my way of telling my story to the best of my ability. So that hopefully somebody else can learn from this and realize that they are strong enough. That they can beat this. They can beat their attacker. Because the system failed me. As you will learn as we go from there. So, I'm... uh, Again, my name is Michael. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Born and raised. Left and came back four or five times, because we all do. Italian descent. Uh, I was one of seven kids. Very happy upbringing family. Uh, built in best friends with your family. Many nieces, nephews, great nieces, great nephews. Unfortunately, two of my older siblings and my mother and father have passed away. Um, we grew up in a very interesting upbringing my dad was extremely italian and lived a very italian lifestyle for his job quote unquote there is relevance to that as we discuss in the segment the investigation why that is important i also want you to know that uh, being in the restaurant industry for as many years as i have been that's where the sarcasm and snarkiness comes from because It's frowned upon to hit somebody. So you just kill them with kindness or kill them with a comment that they don't understand. And it's amazing. So that is my way of just defending and being back, fighting back with some of the people who just can't can't comprehend what you're doing. It's awesome. Um, Very great, happy family, so, and a great job. And, uh, before we go any further, I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this is my story. Um, maybe graphic, there are maybe sexual scenes, sexual descriptions, lots of language, I'm sure. Um, it's a harsh, violent situation that happened. Um, but I just want to give you all fair warning that this is my truth of what actually happened to me. Thank you for your time. So, born and raised in Pittsburgh... Worked a lot of different positions from a lot of places. Moved and came back like everybody else. Five times now, I think. Pittsburgh's an amazing city. My dad had a couple restaurants when we were growing up. It was just awesome. Beautiful city, the rivers, the point, the people, the food, everywhere you go. I've been lucky to work in some of the high-end, fine dining places. Had a great career. Monday through Friday, daytime bartender at one of the other high-end dining places. Met some amazing people. Become my regular clientele. People that would text me. You build a friendship relationship with some of these people. Great management staff that took care of us. We all made money. It was phenomenal. You knew everybody that was coming in. Everybody worked together. Everybody helped each other. It was a team. It was just amazing. Everything you could want from a job. And then COVID happened. And then it wasn't. And then during COVID, you lost all of your good health. And so we were forced, at some point in time, to hire people who normally have not been qualified to work there and work with them and train them. And that works sometimes, too. Sometimes you get some people that are awesome and willing to learn, and sometimes you get some people that think they know it all. So, leading to the events that happened, I had a uh, mentee or mentor, whatever you want to call him, 22-year-old young gentleman, John Doe, who I had to train to become a bartender. Zero bartending experience. Zero, basically, restaurant experience. These are people skills. Anxious, wanting to learn. May of this year. When you deal with these 22-year-olds, their focus is Snapchat, Instagram, whatever, 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 some other social media event, and their lovely $1,000 thing that they carry called a phone, which is basically a texting device. They don't know how to use it as a phone. They've all got these wonderful, entitled attitudes, because everybody gets a trophy, and everybody's right, and you're wrong. Even though you've been doing it longer than they've been alive, you're wrong. So one kid, young gentleman, who I took under my wing, John Doe, and tried to make him, he showed the most promise out of everything. He wanted to learn, wanted to be good, wanted to learn how to bartend, wanted to learn about wine, bourbon, drinks. Flipping things like Tom Cruise in cocktail. So much, so much potential. Not as humble as somebody should be. Never realized the position that he was in. That on a good Friday or Saturday, you could make five or $700 a night. But that wasn't all changed. Still, the attitude was, let me work, let me learn, let me do this. And because of that, a bonding, friendship kind of, formed out of that, like a mentor, mentee. He's young enough to be one of my nephew's ages. I am 56, now 57. And we formed a bond where he didn't live far, he would come over, he would learn, we would make drinks. I would teach him how to make his drinks. Whenever he came over, he made all his own drinks. It was just great to see somebody willing, learning, and watching. You know, he didn't know how to make mojitos, we made mojitos. We wanted to make old fashions, we made old fashions. Painkillers, made painkillers pineapple-infused vodka. We made it. Anything he wanted to do to become a better person, a better bartender, we did it to make sure that he knew what he was doing so that he could talk, so that he could make a career while he was going to go to school. But this was going to make him as much money as possible in the least amount of time, which the potential is there if you're really good at and communicate with people and develop those relationships. You can do that. We unfortunately lost our management staff, and we got some well, less than stellar managers Our general, general manager who made I don't know almost six figures a year still shopped at Goodwill and looked like a homeless person right off the street holes in his jackets holes in his shirt stains whatever no standards no rules no training people were just thrown out there and we lost all our regular clientele it was sad very sad because we had taken years to build this and now it was gone So, but this friendship, mentorship developed, and unfortunately, this is what led to after a few months of the very unfortunate situation that happened to me, where I unfortunately was living my nightmare of being sexually assaulted. The sexual assault was bad, it was brutal, and we'll discuss that. But more importantly, the response from the police where I was sexually assaulted by my attacker, but I felt repeatedly raped by the police because my story didn't jive. I didn't react the way I was supposed to. I didn't do this as I was supposed to. I should have done this or said this. It didn't make any sense to me because I had been in therapy at this point in time. And the therapist reminded me that it was a PTSD reaction. You would remember things sometimes good, sometimes bad, nightmares, but you remember in segments that your body and your mind can handle. So how could I be PTSD and remember things, and then yet being questioned by the police, told they were not right, but this was my truth. This is what I remembered. And somehow or other, again, that just wasn't good enough. And the outcome left me defeated and depleted because if you look at the statistics, rape and sexual violence and sexual crimes, only 1% of the people are actually convicted. 3% are arrested. Everybody else goes free. So 96% of the people go free because the criminal people are more worried about coddling them and getting them off and making you look like the idiot, even though it's your story. This didn't happen to you. Because a text message from May gave them grounds in July. that said, hey, I want you to rape me apparently that's what they want. That's what they do. And again, not to make the light of a situation, but it just is phenomenal that everything they do, when your public life becomes private, the private life ends and it becomes public where you have to tell your story, your private life, your sex life, everything comes on display on public record because somebody chose to invade those and make it. Their mission to ruin you. And now you have to go in front of strangers, lawyers, people, and tell them everything. Every moment that happened. Every touch that happened. The way it happened. The feelings. How that you didn't ask for this. How many times did you asked to stop? Are you sure this happened? Are you sure that happened? It was the most emotionally draining, broke me type of situation that I just could not. Didn't think I would ever bounce back from. And here we are. Three months later, through therapy, being defeated in court because the district attorney didn't feel there was enough evidence. Plenty of evidence, but the cops didn't care. But plenty of evidence to have somebody at least arrested. But they're walking free. I had to resign because of this person. Because HR at my job chose not to investigate as I asked them to. It is what it is. We can't change the past. The PTSD is a grieving process and it takes plenty of time, plenty of hours, plenty of good days, plenty of bad days, plenty of coming to terms with things which you didn't know you had to ever come to terms with. I now understand why people don't even prosecute when something happens to them because there's no point in it. Nobody cares. Nobody listens. Nobody wants to put these people in jail. So the next time, and I don't believe this was the first time, This attacker attacked me because he knew how to hit me, how to punch me, how to slap me, and not leave marks. So it definitely wasn't the first time, even at 22. But it wouldn't have mattered, because pretty much short of a videotape, there's no way to prove that this was actually legit. And the police reminded me of that when they cross-examined me and again, getting ahead of ourselves, but I just felt the need to tell my story because of my story of being forced to accept certain things and say them out loud to people. When you say something out loud, it becomes more real. Makes you deal with them and be judged by people. But if I can actually tell that story out loud now to somebody that may help them deal with this as I'm learning to deal with Then I I win. I beat my attacker. He's not in jail, but I'm stronger because I am talking about it and I am okay with where it is. I'm not happy, but I'm okay. I don't have a choice to be. This happened, and I'll be okay. And I'm stronger, and I'm stronger than him because it takes a weak person to hold somebody down and do what they did. It takes a very weak person to lie about it. It takes a very weak-minded individual them to say, hey, this, or hey, I don't want you to work there anymore, or hey, you're not allowed to come near me anymore, for the wrongdoings that they did to you because they can't deal with it. And that's what's sad. And they still win because the courts let them win every time. And maybe if we started prosecuting them a little bit more, a little less of the sexual assaults would happen. Man on man, woman on woman, woman on man, it doesn't matter. It should never happen to anybody. I learned there are some great support systems that eventually, when we get to the healing process, that helped me get through this. Amazing people that helped guide me along the way when I had no one and thought I was the loneliest person in the world with the biggest secret in the world that I didn't want anybody to know out of sheer embarrassment, out of sheer having to admit it and say it out loud and be, I was suckered. I was pinned and I let this happen and I felt guilty that I did this. that, unfortunately, is how a lot of people feel. And then when you realize, I didn't have anything to do with it. And you see the lies written in paper, black and white, in front of you when other legal documents come out. Somebody who you thought was a friend, somebody that close to you, that betrayed you, and is now laughing and getting away with it. It's really hard to come to terms with. And once that guilt goes away and you feel that it's time to come clean and it's time to tell people. That's when the fight begins and that's when the unbelievable fight and the unbelievable raping of the courts, raping of the district attorney, raping of the police begins. God forbid you change your story because you admit something differently this time than you did the last time. Because then you're lying. And we'll get into that a little bit